What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There Sean talks with Chris Harder Chris is a successful entrepreneur who believes that when good people make good money they do great things Chris also hosts a podcast called For the Love of Money For the Love of Money gives you every tool that you need to be unapologetically successful. The episodes share the secrets, tips, and incredible stories of how wealthy entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people of influence have risen to the top and what they've done to make this world a better place as a result of their success. Get ready to discover your roadmap to a more successful life. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm a huge fan of Audible and definitely recommend checking it out. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted a cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. Their products cost just one-third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Chris, thanks for joining us on What Got You There. How are you doing today? Sean, totally my pleasure, man. I'm doing real well. Yourself? I'm doing awesome. I'm fired up for this one. You are someone I can always jump on Instagram, get inspired, attack my day. So this one's going to be fun. But I want to know, how do you start your day? Ah, okay. Really good question. I'm a huge believer that the start to your day has everything to do with how your day is going to turn out. And I mean, let's be realistic for a minute, right? So I, I don't think I can predict my day. I don't think I can you know, force a good day to happen, but I can at least stack the odds in my chance. So the minute that we wake up, which typically for Lori and I is around seven, seven thirty, um, I wake her up with a mantra. So I, I literally lean over, picture this, I lean over and, um, I, I shake her a little bit and I say, Hey, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, and more fit than I was yesterday. And, and then she'll kind of mumble it back. She'll be like, oh, I'm happier, healthier. <laughs> I go, no, say it like you mean it. I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And then she'll say it one or two more times. And I'll literally pester her until she says it like she means it. So now, now it usually only takes two or three times because she knows I'll keep pestering her. So <laughs> as soon as I wake her up to a mantra, then I literally close my eyes quick, um, clasp my hands, and I, and I just say a quick one, sometimes two-minute prayer of gratitude. And it's so juvenile. If you could hear it in my head, Sean, it's literally like, you know, thank you for this comfortable bed. Thank you for this dog laying across my legs. Thank you for my wife being next to me. And then it just turns into bigger things too, right? Thank you for my health. Thank you for my love and myself. And it's different every single day. That's what's cool. It's literally a random accounting that comes into my mind for about a minute to two minutes of crap I'm grateful for. And so right there in the first two minutes of my day between the mantra and that, I've already kind of taken control of my perspective of the day and my perspective of how things are going to turn out. Then we go downstairs. Um, Lori makes coffee. I feed the dog. Very unimportant details, I'm sure, to you guys. But then we have this rule that we have to read 10 pages before we look at social media or do anything else. And here's the cool part. The 10 pages usually turns into 20, 30 (laughs) minutes of reading. But without that tangible, small hurdle, what would we do? We'd jump on Instagram or we'd jump into our email or something. And that time in the morning is supposed to be protected for us to set up our day the right way so we can be the best versions of ourselves for everybody else going forward. And so we have a rule that people can't get a hold of us in the mornings unless it's, of course, family or like our closest friends um, for between when we wake up and 11 o'clock a.m. 
Now, that's not going to work for everybody. I, I tell everybody, find your own protected time that works for you, but that's what works for us. Because during that time is when we're getting our reading in, our prayers, our meditations, our a um, little bit of time together. We'll walk the dog in the morning. Then we'll go to the gym together. Or, you know, I've got a personal trainer. She trains herself. Um, or we go to Soul Cycle or something like that. So that's what our mornings look like. We literally take control and stack the odds in our favor as best as possible so that we are the best versions of ourselves for the rest of the day for everybody else that we pour into. Oh, Chris, the listeners know I'm loving this one because like so many past guests, the protected morning is such an essential part for setting up success the rest of the day. How long have you been doing this protected morning routine? We've been doing the protected morning since we got out here in California. I think we started in Minneapolis, so we're looking at five years of doing that. Now, what's happened in the morning, that part's changed, but we've really protected our space and put ourselves first for about five years now. And ironically, those have been the most productive skyrocket years of our life. So, you know, that that's no coincidence. So you mentioned some changes. What are the changes that have kind of been, I mean, obviously this is something that's constantly adapting. Anything recently you've changed? It's constantly evolving. The 10 pages of reading before taking our phones out of like even airplane mode, um, that's one of the newer things. And that's really helped reinforce our perspective and what we're putting into our mind. Because otherwise what would happen is, um, You'd open Instagram, let's just say, for a minute, and you'd say, oh, look at the notifications. And you'd click on that, and you go down the rabbit hole, and before you know it, you know, you finish your cup of coffee, and you've been looking at Instagram and letting whatever happens to be there penetrate your mind instead of choosing what's penetrating your mind. Do you have a particular type of coffee you like? <laughs> Lori and I actually drink um, Isogenics coffee. It's a brand that we love and a brand that we work with, and it's non-acidic, so it helps a little bit. Okay, awesome. So for the listeners who don't know, Who's Chris Harder? What are you all about? Boy, that's a tough question. It's a loaded that one. <laughs> so I was born and raised in the Midwest, um, middle class to upper middle class family, and had a great family. Matter of fact, we're still really close as a family, but we have a small family. It's just my brother and I and my parents. And so I was raised with those Midwest values, you know. And for those of you that weren't raised there, it's it's hard work, it's humility, it's um, staying close to your family. It's, it's all those important foundational things in life, I believe. But then Lori and I took that Midwest upbringing and we brought it out here to California. And I, and I always say, if you can grow up with a strong foundation and then take it to one of the coasts where everything's happening, then that is the perfect formula for absolutely crushing it. And, but there's a lot more to the story, you know, than that. So i I was raised to go to college. You know, my, matter of fact, my dad and, and his dad and, and his brother and everybody went to really elite military academies. And that's what they wanted for me too, but I didn't want that. And so it was a really big deal in our family when I went to a local college when I was living in Green Bay at the time, as opposed to um, going to an elite military academy. It, it was really a big shakeup in the family. And so that was the first sign that I was going to kind of do things my way, right? And I went to this college and I just partied and I partied and I partied and I wanted to play baseball there, but you know, I was partying too much and I wanted to get decent grades, but I was partying too much. And they finally literally kicked me out of the college, Sean, after two and a half years, um, St. Norbert college, if anybody's ever gone there. <laughs> so here I am kicked out of college, but I'm happy about it. Cause I didn't want to be there. I, everybody learns differently. Some people totally consume, um, traditional learning. And some people have to learn on the job, so to speak. And I'm a guy that wants to get my hands dirty and learn on the job. And I couldn't wait to be out in the business world, uh, making my own money and trying to create assets, et cetera. It's, it was like ingrained in me as a human being. So while my parents were devastated, like thought my life was over, that I was kicked out of college, I was relieved and I was excited and I couldn't wait to get to work. And so I went and I took a job at a car dealership and that's where I learned sales. And I was the top salesperson out of 25 salespeople in just the first few months. You know, here I am, this punk 21-year-old kid or whatever I am at the age and uh, 20 years old, and I'm already top of the heap there. And so then they promote me into their finance department, which is really just more sales, to be honest with you. Were you a seller as a kid? You know, I always had that sales personality as a child. I never had any, obviously, jobs or any formal training, but I had that personality where I enjoyed presenting my side of the case and winning. 
so to speak. And that's really what, what sales is, right? Presenting your side of the case and, and closing a sale. And so it was kind of ingrained in my DNA a little bit. I don't know where it came from because I don't come from a sales family by any means. And so um, I flew through the ranks at this car dealership and I was running their finance department. And that was my first experience of learning leadership and management at the same time as sales. And so that's where I kind of started to cut my teeth in that business world. And at the time, all my friends were starting to creep over into the mortgage business. A big mortgage boom was starting to happen and they're making money hand over fist. I said, well, I want to take these skill sets and I want to go over there and I want to make money hand over fist. And so I went and I got a job at a bank as an entry level loan officer for mortgages and then worked my way up there at this huge international bank and became one of the fastest rising executives despite being the only guy there without a college degree because I got booted. Matter of fact, they sent me away to this special advanced, like like a mini master's uh, certification at UNC Chapel Hill for a while, just so I could kind of catch up to the rest of the gang because they they believed in me. Oh, I love that. I'm a Tar Heel, so this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I flew through the ranks there and everything was great. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, like, the big short or the boiler room. That's literally what it was like. It was just this huge lending atmosphere. It was almost like a contest among all the guys and you know, total boys club and, and that kind of thing. And it was fun when you're young and you're totally driven by that stuff. But then the Great Recession happened. And when the Great Recession happened, I ended up spending every day waking up first thing in the morning because I was in a, a very high leadership position at this point, waking up first thing every morning taking the first flight out of town. We were living in Minneapolis at the time and flying to some obscure town to shut down their bank branch. And I did that for like a year and a half. And I think, I mean, the, the company let tens of thousands of people go. And I think I personally let maybe a thousand people go. And I got every reaction you could ever imagine. And I learned a lot during that year of my life. And I also lost a lot during that year of my life. It, I lost myself. I lost my drive. Um, that was kind of the beginning of a, a few not so good years for me. I started to put on weight and become very unfulfilled. And then after a year and a half of doing that, it became my turn to choose between a severance and a demotion of a demotion of a demotion. I said, give me the severance. I'm out of here. Now, here's the crazy part, Sean. I had a lot of financial success at this bank, made money hand over fist. But because we were young, and dumb. Um, we had spent it all and then some. So I got this huge six-figure severance package and we had to spend every penny of it and then some just getting out of debt and like short selling our home and selling all of our cars and all the stupid stuff that we had way overspent on because every year I would get a giant raise and I thought it was going to last forever. So that was another huge learning moment at a young age, um, 29, 30 years old, that I'm glad I learned it back then instead of having to learn that later in life. So as you can imagine, I know I'm, I'm long-winded here, but these are all the, the big turning points. These are where I, I learned my biggest lessons and started to shape who I am today. And I went on to take a partnership at a mortgage bank. And the further down that road I got, the more miserable I got. My, my partner didn't treat me like a partner. Um, you know, we, we were total opposites in how we wanted to lead, you name it. And I, something had to change. I mean, picture this. I woke up one day as about 30 pounds overweight is even evenly distributed, but you know, that bloated <laughs> fat type of meathead look, right? And um, I was unhealthy. I, uh, Lori, Lori and I were at an all-time low for our marriage because when I'm an unhappy individual, of course, I'd be an unhappy partner. So something had to change. And that's when we kind of found network marketing as one of our revenue channels and Lori opened a gym and we really decided to get serious about entrepreneurship. And it was the trajectory of those two businesses that we started at that time that allowed me to pull out of that partnership and really partner up with Lori, my wife, and say, let's do things our way. And that was about six years ago. And the last six years have been by far the most fulfilling, the most rewarding, the most pinnacle years of our entire life, but we had to go through all of that stuff in order to become the people to create these last six years, if that makes any sense. Oh, completely. And I'm so glad the past six years have been so fulfilling for you. I'm curious though, all the way back to your family shakeup, what, I guess, inspired you enough to do that? I mean, not going to the military academy, th those are some big life changes for your family. Were you afraid of losing them or anything like that? I was very afraid, but I was too 
greedy and too selfish to not make that choice. And it turned out great. But one of my regrets is I wish I would have served. I really do. Like I've mm. got the hugest respect and, and the softest spot in my heart for veterans and their families and all that stuff. And hindsight being 2020, I wish I would have served. Um, but you can't change it now. And the best thing I could do now is, is support families like that. So I think we all play a role in that. And mine just happens to be somebody who is able to support those people as opposed to serving myself. But yeah, was I scared? Yeah. Did it cause a lot of problems in a family? Yeah. I think my grandpa hated me. Like I ruined our elite family tradition. But um, at the end of the day, I had to make the decision that I knew was right for me. And I'd like to say that I was so smart. I foresaw all this and I knew I was going down the right. It was really just being young and selfish and saying, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my way. So what do you say to a young entrepreneur, uninspired, unfulfilled in what they're currently doing? Do they just take that jump? How do they go about doing that? Take an educated jump. Um, When I pulled out of that partnership, it wasn't that we had fully replaced my income at that point. It was that the trajectory we were on um, was on pace to replace and exceed that income. So it was a a well-considered jump. So make sure you take the jump. Make sure you work towards taking the jump, but don't jump too early. I see a lot of people do that, to be honest with you. I see people quit jobs. I see people burn bridges. I see them do all these things out of the excitement of, uh, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And the problem is they do it too early. And then there's too much financial pressure and maybe not, maybe even some maturity that was yet to be gained, some lessons that were yet to be gained in their current role. And when you when you have that financial pressure and you skip some of those lessons, then the sexiness of being a successful entrepreneur goes away because all you're trying to do is barely tread whip, tread water at that point. And all your brilliant ideas and skills, they get put to the wayside because you're just trying to breathe. You're just trying to not drown at that point. And so make sure that yes, you you jump. Yes, you leap and you build your wings on the way down, but you don't do it too early. And I wish there was a formula I could give you as to know, you know when that time is. I can only tell you this. Use your head and follow your gut feeling. Not your want, because if you follow your want is, hey, you want to get the hell out of there and you want to be a successful entrepreneur. So I say follow your gut feeling. And your gut feeling is, oh, I really want this, but it's not time yet. Or oh, I really want this and I absolutely know now is the time. So follow that gut feeling. Oh, such sound advice there, Chris. So we're talking a lot about finances. What's your view of money? Ooh, great question. That's what my podcast is all about. Money is nothing more than a tool and it's also a form of energy. So when I say, let's start with a tool. Um, It's a tool that you leverage to accomplish things. If you want to buy a home, you need money. If you want to start a charitable foundation, you need money. If you want to build a hospital, you need money. If you want to you know, buy or um, provide a place for your parents to live who can't afford to live, you need money. So it's nothing more than a tool that you are leveraging to accomplish something. And it's a tool that we all need. I mean, we live in a world where people are like, I'm not doing it for the money or I don't want to get rich. Or It's like saying you want a half-assed broken hammer, yet you have to build a house, right? <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. So it's a tool and we all need it and we should want the biggest, baddest tool possible to have the easiest time to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And then the second part of that answer was it's also just energy. It is energy that you exchange for another form of energy. And what I mean by that is if I exchange money for somebody's advice, their advice was the energy, my money was the energy. We did an equal energy exchange. I didn't trade him or her money for money. I didn't say, here's $10, you give me $10. No, I said, you know, here is $200 for an hour of your time. And your hour of, of your time is worth $200 to me because I need your expertise. So that's just one example of money being energy that you're trading in an equal energy exchange. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Suniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Are you looking to finish the latest thriller, such as The Girl on the Train, while you're at the gym or in the car? Well, now you can. For listeners of What Got You There podcast, 
Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check this out. Head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there to choose from over 180,000 titles to select the book you want to hear next. Distilled utilizes the same fabrics, factories, and wash houses as the best known brands and designers while skipping the markups and middlemen. The result, top quality denim without the retail runaround. Just go to dstld.com and see where minimalist design meets maximum comfort. They have a 100% fit guarantee, offering free shipping and returns until you find the perfect pair. Inspired by the creative class, Distilled is the perfect brand for those who have other things to think about besides getting dressed. You'll look good no matter what with Distilled. Distilled has been featured in Forbes, Time, and TechCrunch, as well as on denim-clad celebrities in GQ and Men's Health. You can find the brand's amazing selection of outwear, leather jackets, t-shirts, and more using the same principles of high-grade materials at low-end cost. Distilled is your answer to elevated style without elevated prices. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. You mentioned your podcast, For the Love of Money, and you have a quote on your website. I believe that when good people make good money, they do great things. I absolutely love that, and I've just gotten so many takeaways from your podcast. You want to talk a little bit about your podcast, what type of people you have on, some of the stories you tell? Yeah, totally. I love talking about this thing. And and that's exactly what the podcast is all about. When good people make good money, they do great things. So we live in a world right now where there are way too many people uh, making the the wealthy out to be villains. And we live in a world where people with massive potential are running around selling themselves short because they're saying things like I'm not doing it for the money or I don't want to be rich, you know, because of who knows what BS story they've they've built up in their heads. You know, maybe they had an experience with somebody who drove by in a Porsche and they cut them off. So they said, oh, all rich people are assholes. You know, so I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Yep. Sorry, but, um, you know, who knows what stories have fed into their, their views. So my goal is to switch those views because if I can lift those caps off of your money mindset, those limiting beliefs, then all of your potential, all of your skill set can really rise to its highest potential. And when that happens for a huge number of us, then think of how many more problems we can solve. Like, how many more foundations can we start? How many more hospitals can we build? How many more people can we help if, you know, 10 times more people were wealthy or 100 times more people are wealthy or 1,000 times more people are wealthy? I believe, actually, with, with enough wealth in the world, we, there's not a problem we couldn't solve. There's literally not a problem that we couldn't solve with enough wealth in the world. And so I'm trying to lift that cap off of every single listener's potential because I have met way too many entrepreneurs that are working hard. They have great ideas. They have great products for sale. They have everything lined up the way it should and they're holding themselves back and they're pushing money out of their lives because of these limiting beliefs. And by the way, it's not just somebody who's you know constantly broke and calling the guy in the Porsche an, an asshole who I'm talking to. It's the people that might be making a quarter million dollars a year, but they're stuck there for the last five years when they should be making five million. Or I might be talking to the person who's just literally stuck at a million. And I know to a lot of listeners, that sounds like a funny phrase, stuck at a million. But it's true. Tony Robbins was stuck at a million dollars for six years in a row until he broke through to three million the next year. And now look what he's doing. So stuck is stuck is stuck no matter where you are. And I'm trying to get everybody unstuck with this podcast. You have one or two things for anyone who's stuck with the finances they're bringing in right now that you could immediately have them jumpstart and start doing? Absolutely. Uh, number one, admit that you're stuck, mm. right? Like say, okay, I'm open to outside help. And then number two, surround yourself with as much new propaganda as possible to support where you want to go. Now, what is new propaganda that supports where you want to go? Well, it's podcasts. It's books. It's the people that you're hanging around. It is the areas that you're hanging around. I mean, this is you've heard this advice before, and it's going to sound so canned and overdone, but boy, is it true. When you change the level of the people that have the greatest influence on you, then everything else changes accordingly. And so if you're running around with people right now that think happy hour is more important than you know grinding out your dreams, then you got to change that crowd that you're running with, even if they're good friends. 
And this is why a lot of people don't transcend into where they're supposed to go. This is why a lot of people get stuck here is because transcending the current people in your life that you care about is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And one of the reasons why it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is because they are the ones that you've counted on up to this point. They're the ones that, you know, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, they were your homie and they've always been there for you for a beer when you're down or whatever. The problem is sometimes they're keeping you down and they don't even intend to and you don't even realize it. And you're not going to up-level until you up-level the people who are influencing you. So let's be crystal clear. I'm not saying you cast all your friends aside, you cast your family aside, and you only pursue people who are crushing it. That'd be the wrong reason. What I'm saying is in addition to the people who are in your life, you need to fill your ears and fill your, your brain and fill your heart with the people who are already doing and the people who have already gone where you want to go. And a lot of people will say to me at this point, John, they'll say, well, easy for you to say, but you know, I have a job and I can't change my coworkers around me or I can't change my family around me. Well, if you can't currently change your circumstances, the people around you, what you can change is what's entering your head and who you're spending time with every single minute outside of there. So when you're done with work, are you listening to podcasts on your commute home that will lift you up to where you want to go? In your free time, are you grabbing that book that's going to teach you where you want to go? On the weekends, are you saying yes to your party friends or are you going to a seminar that they're making fun of you for going to and saying, oh, you used to be cool, you used to be fun, now all you do is go to these seminars? Here's a, this is really funny. You'll know you're on the right track when your friends start making fun of you and saying you used to be cool or you used to be fun. <laughs> I mean, th this is just such great advice. And I feel like you'll hear this advice from certain people. The thing I love about you is that you actually implement this. So you mentioned filling your brain with these unbelievable facts and information. You did that. So can you talk about your journey where you read 30 books, 30 days, what you learned from that, and maybe a few books you really love? Yeah, Sean, for sure. So here's where that came from. Um, two and a half years ago, uh, you ever hear the phrase, good is the enemy of great? Mm -hmm. Things were good. And we had a good life. We had a good income. We had a good amount of money. Everything was just good. You know, I had a good marriage to Lori. The problem is we're capable of great. And Lori, my wife, she was on a rocket ship to great. And so I was just treading along, doing just enough to keep things good because, hey, good is comfortable. I get it. I was there. While Lori was doing the things to be great. And she never said anything, she never did anything to indicate this, but I was able to see, wow, she is on such a rocket ship that one day she's going to wake up way up here and I'm going to still be down here in, at good. And we're going to have such a gap between the two of us, I don't know if we'd be able to stay together. I don't know if she'd find me interesting. As a matter of fact, I was already starting to feel not very interesting, Sean, to my wife, because she would talk about this book she read, the seminar that she was going to, this new person in her life. And I would almost get annoyed. Like, I didn't want to hear it. And that's when I knew it was a problem. Like, wait a minute, she's talking about really positive things that she's excited about. And I'm like, oh, do we have to talk about this again? And I wanted to talk about simplistic things. And that's when I knew that there was a gap forming. There was a problem. And so something inside me said, whoa, you got to do something, man. You got to catch up. You can't let this gap keep growing. And right just who knows why but right at the same time that i was starting to realize this and feel this way ty lopez i don't know if you know who that is um one of his ads matter of fact his most famous ad came across my instagram and it's that video of him in his garage where you're, he's kind of doing selfie with an iphone and in the video he says check this out it's my ferrari this is my lamborghini and obviously that caught my attention because i'm a unapologetic car lover <laughs> But then he pans over to the walls of his garage and he says, but you know what I mo love most in here? You know what has the most value in here? These books. And his garage was covered in bookshelves full of books. And I thought, what? Now he caught me, caught my attention with the Ferrari and Lamborghini and then showed me the books. And he said, this is my happiness. This is what drives me. You know, reading, I read a book a day every single day of my life. I'm like, man, this guy's interesting. So I started following him for the next few days. Sure enough, he would post the book he's reading every single day on Instagram. And I was blown away. I thought, if this successful entrepreneur has time to read a book a day, every day of his life, then 
maybe that's what I need to do. And I said, well, I'm not going to commit to reading a book a day for the rest of my life. I know, I know I won't follow through. I said, what if I read 30 books in 30 days? And it seemed crazy to me because, Sean, I hadn't in my adult life, I hadn't finished a book by myself cover to cover in my adult life. <laughs> I mean, let that sink in. It's embarrassing. In my adult life, and this was two and a half years ago, right? So I am 39 years old right now. That means I was 36. At 36 years old, I had not in my adult life finished a book cover to cover. That's a problem. So um, I said, I sat on it for a few days and it started to really stir up inside of me. And finally, a few, about a week sitting on this idea, I said to Lori, I said, Lori, I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to read a book a day for the next 30 days. It's something I need to do. I need to up-level myself. I need to put myself on this rocket ship. And she was really supportive. So she must have been like, yeah, good, because you're boring. <laughs> and uh, so she was really supportive. She said, how are you going to do it? I said, all right, there's a few days until the month starts. I'm going to clear out my schedule that this next month. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to put everything on pause and, and I'm going to do this. And I didn't even pick out all 30 books. I picked out about the first 10 books that I knew I really wanted to read. And the rest of the books just filled themselves in as I went along. So sure enough, oh, and here's one other thing I did too, Sean, is I knew to hold myself accountable that I had to attach it to a good cause publicly, almost like when people say, hey, I'm going to run this ultra marathon and I'm raising money for it because that's what holds them accountable. I, I had to do the same thing. Or I knew myself well enough to know that as soon as it got tough, I'd give up on it and it'd become a book a week and then a book a month and then I wouldn't be reading again. So I told the Facebook world and I told everyone in my life, hey guys, during this 30 days, not only am I reading 30 books in 30 days, please hold me accountable, but I'm going to do it in the form of a drive. And every day I'm going to ask you guys to donate. And Lori and I will match what you donate at the end of the 30 days to Make-A-Wish Foundation. And because I attached it to something that had a cause like that, that's what I knew would keep me from cheating. And sure enough, there were days I wanted to give up. There were days I was physically exhausted, mentally exhausted. I mean, that's a whole nother story, rabbit hole we could go down. But on the days I wanted to quit, I knew I told the world I was going to do it. And I knew that I was collecting their dollars for me to keep going. And there was no way I was going to steal from them. And so I made it through the 30 books in 30 days. And there was one point about 15, 16, 17 days in where Lori looked over at me in bed and I was finishing my book. And apparently... I was just, my finger was just going back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, as fast as could be all the way down the page. And she looks at me, she goes, are you reading that fast? And I kind of came out of my funk or out of my, my zone. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> and what had happened over those couple of weeks is I went from a guy who I would read the same page five times over again, just to understand it. Like, cause I drift off into la la land and reading was really painful for me, man. It really was to a guy that was just flying through these books in just a couple of weeks by having that be the only thing I did besides work out and, and building that muscle. And so by the end of that 30 books in 30 days, I had so many new skill sets, so many new lessons, so many new things in my life. It was insane. And it wasn't just the knowledge in the books that was the biggest benefit. That was one of the smaller benefits, to be honest with you. It was the new habit of reading that was the biggest benefit. It was discovering that I thought I was going to have to clear my schedule all day, every day and learning that, whoa, I have so much wasted time that I really just had to get off of social media and read for four or five or six hours. And then I got down to the point where I could crush a good size, you know, 250 page book in, in just a few hours and, and retain the majority of it. So my entire life changed based on those 30 days. One of the smartest things I think you did there is instead of setting the goal too big where you say, I'm going to read a book every single day for the rest of my life, you may, you did something that was attainable. And I think so many people don't start certain things because that goal is too attainable. So I love how you did that. And then I also love connecting it to a good cause. I mean, you and Lori are people who constantly seem to be giving back, doing generosity challenges. I know this past year you did a seven-day challenge, the seven-day generosity challenge. Can you talk about that? What inspires you guys to do this? And then how do you implement this if someone at home wants to implement something similar? Good question. Um, for me, I've always been a generous individual and I uh, that came from my parents. I remember at, at a young age, my parents teaching me how to tip generously, saying, hey, this person's working hard, and if they do a good job, round up. Like, what is, what is that extra dollar or two to you? 
but that extra dollar or two to them says you did a great job tonight. So don't be afraid to round up on your tip. And that's just one of many examples of things that seeped into my DNA to, to make me this generous giver, right? And so I thank my parents for that. And the reason why it means a lot to Lori and I is we've both seen people struggle. We've both been massively blessed. We feel like if we have it so good and we see so many people struggle, then we must have it good so that we can then help some other people have it a little bit better. Almost like we talk about this all the time. We're like, man, God's really got our back. Like there's some things that work out that I don't know how or why they work out, but boy, do we have it good. And so if we're really catching this many breaks, because we work hard, I, I believe you create some of your own breaks, but some of it is just pure good fortune. Let's, let's be honest. Nobody, I hate the idea of self-made millionaires, self-made, no one does it on their own. And so um, if we've been given this many breaks, then the people who haven't gotten them, uh, if we have the ability to, I think that we need to backfill you know, some of the areas where they haven't gotten breaks. And just as a couple, that's really resonated with us. And so it's turned into being the DNA that we operate with, whether it's our businesses, we attach them to causes that we care about or our challenges or, or whatever. And so things like the seven-day generosity challenge, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to give away a prize a day for seven days. And the way I'm going to give it away is I'm going to randomly pick somebody on Instagram who uses the hashtag seven day generosity challenge. And my goal was to create this outward movement of doing good things for people. And here's why. Number one, right now we tend to do good things in the dark because we're afraid to talk about, you know, society tells us don't brag about doing good that, you know, all of a sudden that erases the good deed you did. Ah, bullshit. That doesn't erase the good deed you did. You know what it does? It inspires the guy who hears your story to go do a good deed. I mean, I can prove it. How do you think these lines in Starbucks happen where one guy says, oh, I'm paying for coffee for the person behind me. And then that person pays for it. And that person, and you know, 20 or 30 or 50 cars in a row will buy the coffee for the person behind them. That doesn't happen without somebody first doing something out loud that gives everybody else the idea. And so that's why I wanted to have the seven-day generosity challenge where the rules were you had to post it on Instagram. You had to get outside of your comfort zone and say, I did this good deed today. Here's a picture of it. Because I wanted the collectiveness of everybody showing the good that they're doing out loud to inspire the people who forgot to do something good that day. And it caught on like wildfire. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. And it's interesting, man. I got some hate mail during that. Like, People sending me Bible verses about, you know, you're, you're not supposed to recognize what one hand's doing. Yeah, like you name it, right? And listen, I believe in God. I'm a, a guy who totally is, is down with that. But what I don't believe is this, that suddenly, you know, I'm going to hell because I started a giving challenge. And so, listen, if I'm going to be judged because I err on the side of doing good out loud— go for it because there's a lot of other things that I would rather not be judged for. And that was really the movement that I was trying to get going uh, with the seven day generosity challenge to bring more awareness to doing things out loud so that you can cause that chain reaction of awesomeness because imagine how much better the world would have. And here's the best part. That was what, two months ago now? <laughs> I still get messages every day or tags every day where people are like, I'm starting my seven day generosity challenge this week. So it still has legs, which is really exciting for me. It's really rewarding to know that that's still going. No, I mean, one of the biggest reasons I'm a huge supporter of you is because of these little things. And, and I love that you guys implement these things. And it does. It has this visceral viral effect, which is amazing in the world we live in today with social media. You can impact so many more people. So keep on doing that. I'm constantly going to be supporting you there. So you mentioned learning and how many different things you're taking in. Who are some of today's thought leaders you're learning from? Ah, oh, great question. Um, Brennan Bouchard is one that I like quite a, quite a bit. Matter of fact, I just got the chance to hang out with him this past weekend. He's an incredible dude. Uh, Lewis Howes is a really good friend. And one of the areas where he has really helped me is he's just an open book. And it helps me be an open book as well, right? Don't have your guard up. Um, Quick question. So when yeah. you're hanging with people like that, how, how do you approach that? Because obviously – they're, they're people who are influential and have so much knowledge into so many different things. So when you know you're going to be spending time with someone like a Lewis, how do you go into that? Do you prepare a certain way to just- Oh, no. No? You just, just be yourself. There's, listen, if you prepare 
or if you put on a front or anything, they're not, they'll sniff that out a mile away. You just be yourself and say, do we energetically connect? Because listen, there's a lot of those guys and gals that I hang out with that I'm like, yeah, the energy's not there. I, I like you. You're cool. You're doing great things for the world. But the energy's not there, and, and I'm sure the energy's not there on, you know, for, for you to me either. And so we don't force the issue. So you got to just totally be yourself and see who you have that energetic connection with because there's nothing worse than you know, maybe being able to fake it for a while and then always having to be somebody else every time you're around those people. That's uncomfortable as hell, and you can't keep that up forever. And it, it eventually boils over into a really awkward moment, I promise you. <laughs> so the best advice is be yourself and see who you resonate with and who you don't. When you're meeting with people like that, are you listening more or are you talking more? Oh, listening way more. Listening way more. Um, I feel like it's a lost art to listen. People will say to me, they'll say, you know, with all you have going on, I can't believe how present you are. And that's only been something for me for the past couple of years I've been able to be really good at is being present. But the value that you can gain by asking good questions and taking interest in other human beings and listening instead of trying to one-up them or show them how much knowledge you have or show them, oh yeah, I can talk about that topic too, right? Because that's kind of sometimes our gut feel like we need to be on their equal. If you can put all of that ego-driven stuff aside and, and be a good listener and ask good questions, it's like a shortcut to everything you've ever wanted. Hmm. That's, that's some incredible advice there. One thing I love about your and Lori's approach is that you guys love experiences and, and getting the most out of life, where a lot of people say, no, you, you can't buy that Starbucks drink because it's $2 extra and you can't go on this trip this year, where you guys, you live abundantly, it seems like. Can you talk about experiences and what they can do for your life? Well, we get one go around. And I think the, the most valuable asset you can have is experiences. You, know, you can't take your money with you. you. You can't take your things with you. All you can take with you, and who knows if you can even take this, but all you can really, let me rephrase this. The one thing people can never, ever, 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 ever take from you are your memories and your experiences. And so if you can have the best possible experiences and memories, at the, you know, whenever your day is up, I feel like you've, you've lived a really rich life. And so that's something that means a lot to Lori and I. And the things that we enjoy the most, the experiences we enjoy the most are, are not our trips overseas. It's not any of the fancy stuff that you see us doing on Instagram. It's when we take the dog for a walk every night or when we go to the beach here in Santa Monica or you know, it's the little things that have the most freaking value. Matter of fact, I can speak to this. So when Lori and I went dead broke, when I um, lost my job at the big international bank there, we had this habit of walking together. And I was so busy, it was how we connected. So we'd go for like a three, four mile walk every day. And that's when we'd talk and that's when we'd connect. Well, when the shit hit the fan and, and all of a sudden the things that we thought meant a lot to us, the, the big house and all the cars and all that stuff, when that all went away, we still had walking. And so what would we do? We would go for nine-mile walks, 12-mile walks, I kid you not, and stop and get you know, a 99-cent coffee and spend time with each other and you know, be with the dog and stop and meet new friends and just be out in nature or in the city or wherever we happen to be. And we would literally sit there and say, God, this is the happiest we were back when we thought we had everything was when we just went on walks. And we've been able to keep that now while we're dead broke trying to rebuild. So it really is those smaller moments, those memories, that, that quality time spent with somebody you care about that has the absolute most freaking value. I truly believe that, that is the best takeaway or bit of advice from this entire call. It was so funny. My wife and I were talking this morning and we were talking about our ideal day and, and building that out. And it included our long walk with our two dogs. Without a doubt, it's the happiest we are when we're doing that. The conversation we have, just the presence of the other person, it's unbelievable. So definitely recommend that for anyone looking to, to kind of build on their relationship with their spouse or significant other. What about with passion? What are you most passionate about right now? Um, I'm putting together a elite mastermind for people who are stuck in the multiple six figures trying to get to seven figures. That's what I'm most passionate about right now. I'm doing a whisper campaign, so most people don't know I'm doing it. 
And um, it's kind of like a s- slower reach out to the people that I really think would be a great fit in there. And then my goal is to fill about three quarters of the seats with my whisper campaign and then go public with it to fill the other one quarter of the seats. And the reason why I'm passionate about that is I freaking love putting together a room of high potential people and pulling their best out of them. And I don't pull the best out of them. I just facilitate the ability for them to pull the best out of themselves. So it's getting the right mix of people in that room, the right personalities, the right mix of skill sets. It's getting the right speakers to come in and do the right teaching. It's, it's like this big orchestra. And if you lead the orchestra correctly, then every single one of those people playing an instrument absolutely shine on a level that they have never shined before. So that's what I'm super passionate about right now. Oh, that's awesome. And when you do go public with that, please let us know. We'd love to support you in that. I've got a few more questions for you, a couple fun ones as well. What's an idea you've had over the past year that's changed based on new research? I'll, uh, let me answer it real quick. Uh, first time I've ever said this on any single podcast or anybody will ever hear this um, address. So it's coming to you first, Sean. Um, if, if you want to get on the waiting list, you can get on the waiting list for the mastermind at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. There is an application you have to fill out and that'll put you on the waiting list for when I finally go public with it. Okay, sorry about that, buddy. Oh, no, that uh, is awesome. We'll definitely get that gift, linked up. Gift for your listeners there. What, uh, what was the question? So what's an idea you've had in the past year that's changed based on new research? Maybe something with your diet, something with investing, anything? Hmm. Intermittent fasting. Hmm. So for about the the last year, uh, Lori and I have been playing with intermittent fasting where we only eat in a six to eight hour window each day. And the other 16 to 18 hours, uh, we don't eat. And at first, oh man, it was tough to get used to. Like for the first month, I felt like I was working out weak. I was hungry in the mornings. It was a, it was a steep thing to push through. But as soon as my body adjusted and got used to it, this is the easiest we've ever stayed lean. This is the most energy we've ever had. And the reason behind that is when you rest your digestive system, your digestive system uses more energy than any other functioning part of your body. And so picture resting that thing for three quarters of the day or, or two thirds of the day, as opposed to using it for three quarters of the day or two thirds of the day. Everything in terms of how we feel and, and our level of fitness and health has been so much better since we started researching and playing with intermittent fasting. Uh, we've heard multiple people mention that. It's something I've been playing with and been loving the results there. All right, so fun one. I know you love cars. You mentioned that. It seems like you love a great meal, you love a great vacation, and you love the occasional cocktail. Where are you going? What's the meal you're having? What's the bottle of wine or drink you're having? And what car are you driving there? Huh, that's a great question. Um, okay, let's see. Where am I going? It's in Europe. Um to a beautiful restaurant that is chocked full of history, right down to the building itself, has to be a few hundred years old. Um, we are having a, actually not even a bottle of wine. We're, we're having like a great martini uh, or, or a great whiskey. And we're having great conversation and great laughter. Um, and there's friends there. Lori and I have a great time together. Matter of fact, to a fault, you put us on an island and, and we're introverts and all we need is the two of us to have a good time. But our best times are when we have like-minded friends and we're laughing and sharing ideas. And we all leave that dinner saying, oh my God, that's the most filled up I have ever <laughs> felt in ages. Not physically, but like our brains. Yep. That is exactly where we're going, what we're doing, what we're doing. Oh, and what do we drive there? Yep. I'm, I'm such a, uh, actually, no. Okay, as going to say, I'm such a Ferrari fan. I love my Ferrari. We're, we're taking Ferrari. But no, lately, both Lori and I have this thing for vintage cars. And we've just been kicking around the idea of getting like this, you know, beautiful, like four, 30s era, 40s era with the great big hips, you know, yep. something beautiful and vintage like that. So like an old Bugatti, something that's just full of class and history. Oh, I love that. I, I'm just smiling here, hearing your responses. My favorite takeaway about that is just, you're meeting with friends and you're surrounding yourself with those great people and the conversations you guys are having. It's just awesome to hear that. And I hope more people after listening to this implement that into their lives. So we're talking about implementation. One final thing, if you could have my listeners implement one thing into their lives, what would it be? 
putting yourself first. And I know that sounds really selfish and this is where people struggle the most. So this is why it's my answer. You can be the best parent. You can be the best partner, the best spouse, the best business partner, the, you name it. You can be the best for everybody else after you have first put yourself first and foremost. That's a lot of firsts in there, I know. But um, the reason why is this. What do you want to give people? A spiritually and physically and emotionally filled up awesome version of yourself? Or do you want to give them the worn out, sometimes resentful, sometimes crabby, fake smile, going through the motions, doing the best you can version of yourself? Hopefully the answer is the first one. You write the best ninja version of yourself. Well, the only, reason, the only way you can become that best ninja version of yourself is by making sure that whatever's important to you, if it's exercise, if it's prayer, if it's meditation, if it is um, you know, the right foods, if it's the right time with the right people, whatever it is to you, putting those things first every day so that they happen. Because when you count on those things happening after giving yourself to everybody else during the day, let's be honest, man, they just don't happen. They happen once in a while instead of being the foundation to which you build your day around. And so that is, it's a game changer. If you can stop viewing the idea of putting yourself first as selfish and instead see it as a necessity to be the best, baddest version of yourself for everybody else, then that is when your life changes. Oh man, Chris Harder, you absolutely rocked this podcast. You mentioned your podcast, For the Love of Money. You also mentioned the mastermind, fortheloveofmoney.com slash mastermind. Where else can my listeners stay connected with you? You know, I'm just always on Instagram lately. So Chris W. Harder, Chris W. Harder on Instagram. And uh, that's the best place to get a hold of me. Shoot me a DM if you have questions and I'm always happy to answer them. I do my best to, like when I'm on airplanes and all that stuff, that's when I start flying through all my DMs to play catch up. Oh, Chris, well, I appreciate this so much. We'll definitely send the listeners that way, but thanks so much. Hey, totally my pleasure, Sean. By the way, I just have to say, as someone who does podcasts, you are an excellent interviewer and you made it fun and easy for me. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that, Chris. Have a great night. You too. What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there? What got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.